We and each of us covenant and promise that we will not reveal any of the secrets of this, the first token of the Alana priesthood, with its accompanying name, sign, or penalty. Should we do so, we agree that our throats be cut from ear to ear and our tongues torn out by their roots. Search, ponder, pray. Is this the place? Good evening, brothers and sisters. This is Bobby. With me is Kendra. Hi. And on the fireside tonight on Is This The Place podcast, we have a very good friend of mine. Her name is Valerie Begay. Hi, Val. Hello. Welcome. We're so excited to have you. We are. I am so excited to be on here. and Thank you for having me. <laughs> no, seriously, it's an honor. You're a very intelligent gal. We met when I was in culinary school. We did Aaron Taylor Loft together. We were both associates. Uh, <laughs> Fancy. Uh, Valerie is an indigenous person um, from uh, she's a Navajo from Arizona. Um, you want to tell us a little bit about your history there, Val? Um, yeah. So um, I'm Valerie Begay, and as Bobby said, I'm Navajo, and the, um, we're kind of taking back how we refer to ourselves. So now you're going to hear more people saying I'm Diné. Didn't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and it, cool. it's our Navajo language is how um, we've identified ourselves prior to being um, meeting Europeans and Spanish mm-hmm. and <laughs> all that good history. Being <laughs> not good history, that beautiful, history. Yeah. beautiful history. <laughs> not bloody at all. Columbus was a hero. <laughs> oh my God, <laughs> She knows I'm kidding. I know. But do other people know? <laughs> I think so. I think people know. <laughs> We're really excited to have this because we really wanted to have this um, airing around Thanksgiving because well, and Christopher Columbus day has been rebranded thankfully recently. So like, this is an exciting episode for me. I can't wait to hear like all of your thoughts. I'm just going to be chilling. That's yeah. Val, I also hope you don't think we're like considering you to be our token native. That's oh, no. not, you know, you because you when we I was like, we can reschedule. You're like, we don't need to do it in November. You know, I can come. I doesn't need to just be during the native American a month. And I've, I've been thinking about that a lot. So I do mm-hmm. apologize if it seems like that. That's not really what we were going for. No, just no, Nav- it's okay. Yeah. The Navajo yeah. culture is so important to me just because just because I've been adjacent to it. You know, I've been very, mm-hmm. you know, you know me. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm a white girl pretending like she's a Navajo, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Diné. So Diné. Diné. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but it's really important to me. So I'm excited to have your point of view and also like your wedding pictures. I just think about them all the time because you had a traditional Navajo wedding, which I really want to get into, but um, yeah, sorry. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to interrupt you a lot, but just feel free to just plow over us because we have ADHD and that's what we do. So anyways, continuing on, you were raised in Arizona. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, So, um, so it's Diné and um, growing up in Navajo, your identity is really tied with um, what your clans are. And our clans come from our mother. Um, and that is always getting passed down through the mother's side. So it's like really maternal, um, a maternal society. Um, so in the Navajo language, this is how I would introduce myself. And basically those are four clans I'm referencing. I'm Bitterwater clan. That's my mom. My grandma was um, Bitterwater and her grandma. So that's come down that long line. It's one of the original clans. And I'm born for Water Flows Together, 
which is my dad's side. So he got his clan from his grandmother and so on. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, so it's bitter my... water and water flows together? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Those and cool then the, the, the third one is my grandparents. So I'm because it's all coming for the mother, my grandfather would have... Um, he would be Mexican clan. Oh, so cool. that's where it comes from. And then my paternal grandfather... Um, I get the Zuni clan from him. So there's all these four clans that show like where where you've come from and um, it really keep it lets it shows who your family is too because you share the same clans and you you get to find out relations with like other members you've not met. You can find out if you're related in some way. Oh wow. That's yeah. so cool. Yeah. So is that how you inter- like is that how you would introduce yourself to uh someone in in like it on the res then or what like or is that just a formal introduction yeah i i think everybody is interested in your clients um when you meet somebody new that you've never met before uh-huh. it always comes and i think like that's the same like across the board shit. like yeah. human <laughs> human nature like where are you from who do you know and blah blah so it's kind of the same thing like it's where are you from what are your clans and then once you establish that then like oh um, I'm not good with, um, getting like the relationships. I always trust the elder to tell me like, uh-huh. oh, this is how you're related. You would be my niece or <laughs> I'm like your grandma. Sure. I'm like, yeah. So then I'm like, okay. And they, they refer to you in those, um, what would you call it? Familial terms. Mm-hmm. Um, so call you like niece or granddaughter or something so like that. Yeah. Is that why a lot of people are going by auntie? Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Auntie's sense. really big right now on like yeah. social media and TikTok. <laughs> it, it, I think it's fun. Um, I'm sure it, it, we haven't gotten to that place where um, there's negative connotations to it, but mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm, I constantly question like everything that comes across my plate with like how that relates to and race, how that relates mm-hmm. to like and feminism and how that just relates as like a human being like just human nature that just boils down to me so I'm always I I like learning and I flip-flop a lot and but I don't think it's flip-flopping I think I'm learning and growing and developing absolutely yeah Mm -hmm. and that's just that's the goal of it is all humans should just be growing constantly right Mm -hmm. but I do understand because I do feel that way because um in our high school we got res kids bust in and they lived in the dorms and there was obviously like a lack of trust with the white man quote-unquote white man do you feel that's part of, I mean it's obviously part of your it has to be part of your culture right <laughs> like it has to be to be yeah. like and that like the tiktok aspect is obviously like a white world situation so I understand like your apprehension there yeah um it definitely uh I think with the whole tiktok and like being cautious and afraid of like outsiders Mm -hmm. like i i think it's like a human nature thing like we're we are closed off and then with indigenous people we've had such a bad relationship where we've been burned so many times Mm -hmm. and it it just creates a level of distrust of outsiders of the government but Mm -hmm. it and at the same time like there's a lot of um Inflect. It's just not black and white. There's a lot yeah. of gray there, right, and right. 
I think with the TikTok and the social media, it has been so refreshing seeing so many Indigenous people sharing their stories and it's fun identifying with stories. I think one of the distrusts of people, um, some I there's this Navajo weaver that I follow and she talked about like how um, when she was young, like whenever an outsider would pull up to their homestead, Mm-hmm. Their grandparents or the older people would be like, go, go hide, Shh, be quiet, like go run and God. hide and be quiet. Yeah, mm-hmm. like yeah, is kind of like, um, Get- this is a scary situation yeah. coming. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. it's, um, we don't know if this person has good intent coming here or bad mm-hmm. intent. And she was talking about like how they would play that and like how it's perpetuated to like younger kids now. Mm-hmm. Like now they'll knock on a door joking like, yeah, man, like is here go run and hide kind of to the kids just like to scare to them, them and stuff yeah, like that. yeah. but then like, i never know navajos to be teasers that doesn't sound right <laughs> yeah we're big on humor oh, I know. And i know <laughs> yeah so then like that little innocent thing there she like dissected it like you know what like that comes from like the boarding school era mm-hmm. where they would go around and collect kids mm-hmm. and force them um to go to residential schools and that's, I mean, that's just happening something... that's happening in our generation obviously like you know they yeah. brought the res kits here and then i know a girl who went she did the residential school in tuba city or the the boarding school in tuba city and mm-hmm. it's just like to see that with my own eyes and be like holy shit like a girl who's three years older than me endured this i can't believe this is still going on in our country i can't believe it yeah and i've i've known so many people that are like middle age that remember like i went to carlisle carlisle indian school in pennsylvania and they've come Mm. back to the res and um other people even like my own grandmother like her siblings um she was orphaned when she was really young i can't remember the age i'm blanking out on it but she was orphaned and it was her siblings raising her and they like had to hide her from getting um taken to a boarding school mm. so i'm sorry it, that, it, like, that's awful yeah and then like but then like growing up she would always like feel bad that she didn't know english like she was mm. straight like navajo speaker mm. and traditional navajo but like there was that other side of it it's like oh i wish i had gone to school to learn english but then at the same time it's like you hear all these stories that happened in the boarding school and it's like, maybe it was better that you didn't do that. And like, right. that's how I have some Navajo language that I can still talk because we spent our, I spent so much time with her growing up. Mm-hmm. I It's it's crazy to me because uh, I'm you're painting a very good picture. For those of you who don't understand the desert, like I'm sure you can see these visitors coming from, you know, five miles off uh you're in this like sacred land the reservation's so sacred and i think it's because y'all have made it that way (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and just the thought of just the government coming in and just taking kids it just it 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 makes me sick and especially because like you got uh, navajos now i'm gonna use navajos as the tribe the most because sorry and what is it what is it sorry Dene, Dene, yeah sorry Dene. uh but uh there's such a amazing culture that i i'm so glad it didn't get completely wiped out uh lord knows the the col- colonials tried but um it, lots it just, of culture did get wiped out for sure i know for sure for sure but like it's such a blessing to have natives in my life and 
I don't know. I'm just, I, it just breaks my heart that this shit went down. Like, it's just awful. But I'm glad your grandma got hit and you're got that not good old fashioned culture in your, in your, in your heart mm-hmm. and soul because I love it and I love you for it. <laughs> yeah. And, and right now, as like, I think about that, like how she was, she just talked Navajo, no English at all. So I, I had to learn Navajo to communicate with her. Mm-hmm. And then at, and then people talk about language and how like language frames the way you think, mm-hmm. like creates different neurons connecting in your brain, which mm-hmm. makes you think in a different way than like a, a person with a different language skill. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, to me, that's like really interesting. Like, did I have, I had something like so special passed down from her to me and mm-hmm. I want the same for my kids, but I'm not as fluent as she was like she knew like a lot of different words like no issues like I really have to think about what I'm gonna Mm. say Mm -hmm. and like and it can come out like klutzy for Navajo and like get teased about how you're speaking (laughs) and it just um and then all the people who did get taken to residential schools boarding schools they came back like a lot of the language was lost. Like I know like so many of them can speak to each other in Navajo language or the, the Diné language, it would be Diné Bazan. The Diné Bazan, um, they can speak fluently to each other. But mm-hmm. for their children, it's like that wasn't passed down to them and they're like more English speakers than um, Diné speakers and then just that loss there, this is like so huge, I think, like so many um, words and ways of thinking is like mm-hmm. lost from that. And like, I, I feel like I'm trying to give everything I can to my kids. I, I have a six-year-old, two-year-old and I know so all cute, the- so cute, by the way, so cute. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know all the, um, the funny words, the words to get them to get moving and like mm-hmm. all that stuff. <laughs> they know those words very well, but like, the way of thinking and everything like that. I'm like, how do I do this? Like, how do I explain it? Like I can think in Navajo, but like, and talk Navajo, but I'm pretty sure they're not on that level. They're more English and it kind of breaks my heart. Is there a way for us um, as communities to emphasize on the revival of those things or, or is it that once they're gone, they're like harder and harder to recover? Is there like, an effort in your community to revive those things? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's, it's a two, like, I think that's a controversial topic for Navajo because it was always told that when I was younger, that it was taboo to record the Dinebizot. You're not mm-hmm. supposed to record it. Mm-hmm. And it was always like, um, there's like, people I went to high school with that were like amazing singers, but like mm-hmm. they could have been on American Idol and won. Am mm-hmm. I <laughs> maybe like, right. they're so good. But then they're like, like, would you ever think of recording? And they're like, no, no, you can't do that. That's not like, that's, I'm so taboo, glad you brought this that's up. not allowed. And it's like, okay. So then like, but then at the same time, this revitalization, revitalization efforts happening. And it's like, well, is it worth us losing everything? But then it's just that taboo. We're walking on that, mm-hmm. on that is it, is line. It, mm-hmm. Isn't like the recording thing, it doesn't have to do with like the old school, like pictures, pictures are like, uh, are 
like wasn't there like some like something behind it like picture if you got your picture taken or take your soul or something like that like i understand the apprehension against moving too f- forward in technology because like that's part of the culture isn't it is like laying with the land and stuff but i'm with mm-hmm. you i think like we should because especially because it's just like hearing like navajo like sorry i'm gonna call you navajo this whole time i apologize <laughs> um hearing all that like and watching like tribal dances this like the singing and all that stuff it like people i feel like people are genuinely missing out that they can't experience this because like i remember experience like it field trips and stuff you know just as part of the such part of the utah culture but like yeah i i, I i'm glad you brought it up because i i wonder like yeah do you think do you think everyone's gonna eventually shift or do you think it's gonna take the older generation kind of but that's also the double-edged sword too because once the, when the generation goes like they that's where history goes to like that was the huge problem with COVID is so many elders died and you guys lost a lot of your history right that's right. I with the COVID pandemic, it did affect a lot of the elders. And I just think of like, all that knowledge and like what they knew is gone. Like mm. even for my grandmother, she think like, she passed away before the pandemic, but she was a, a forager, like she knew all the native plants. Oh. in the area oh shut up that's and so had cool all this information and like when I would go walking out with her she would point them out and tell me like this does this this is that and like I tried to learn as much as I could from her mm-hmm. but of course like she passed and I'm like who else am I supposed to go to to get that knowledge like like yeah. I of course what I have I'm gonna pass down um and then I know like so many other families went through the same thing losing the person that had that much knowledge of mm-hmm. like our traditions and our culture and uh, it was it's still happening and it's still a trying time um right and yeah back to the recording it is a double-edged sword like is it I the reason why I would don't want it from my understanding, this is my understanding. I'm not speaking for all Diné people. Cause, and then I think that comes out to like, um, each Diné person is individual mm-hmm. yeah, and they have their own thoughts. Yeah. So like what I say is like from my, op- my opinions <laughs> and from, from my perspective. So I think there is a shift going towards recording it. Cause I can go on YouTube and I can find like, um, tutorials for like little kids learning Navajo. So mm-hmm. my kids watch that stuff, like oh, the animal cool. names, like the numbers and stuff like that. And I know more um, indigenous or more Diné people are making books too. So they're they're creating a, additional ways to learn Navajo. Um, I unfortunately with the now the Navajo government, my criticism is they're not doing enough mm. to help mm. um, preserve the culture and stuff like that. Like I feel like. They're kind of busy doing politics. Are they politics. resisting it or? Mm, it's just politics. Like, it, well, can I, we can we discuss that? Yeah. So back in the back when the country was established, back when the white devil came over, uh, they insisted on men being meeting with the men, and the women were the leaders, right? Mm-hmm. So isn't that kind of why your government's kind of fucked? Is because they insist on the men being the leaders, but the women have always been the leaders. Is that part of it? Or am I totally speaking out of school? Feel free to be like, bitch, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I'm trying to think of it. Because, like, I want to say, like, our government 
was established just so that corporations could get leases to mine the coal on the uh, reservation. So it's kind of just like a sham government that was thrown together and given to us. And they modeled it after like the most bureaucratic type mm-hmm. of government we could imagine. Right, right. So like if I could go back in time and change it, um, I would have wanted it to be more self-sustaining. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people at that time, it, it, I don't know if they were thinking about the repercussions that could happen. Um, well, do you think that they even had the choice when people came over and were like, you, 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 and you, we're going to all talk about us coming here and trading, quote, fairly for your resources. And so come on, let's get going. Like, well, and the history, too, where it's like, okay, we can either work with them or have them just take it from us. Right. So yeah. did you really have a choice? I don't think there was really a choice. Um, they just wanted that coal. They wanted the natural resources and they wanted it as cheap as possible. Mm-hmm. So then that's capitalism, baby. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then we're, and then we're living with that now, the effects of it. And we have a, a, I, from my perspective, the government is dysfunctional. There is a lot of needs not being met by its citizens um and just like the priorities are all over the place like they bought a two million i i don't know if it was two million they bought a million dollar um house in washington dc so that tribal leaders could have a place to stay while they're meeting with the bureau of indian affairs and doing all this government stuff meeting the president and whatnot and then they change it Indian Affairs still? We still do an Indian Affairs for Christ's sake? Yeah. The Bureau of Indian Affairs still exists. We're still living in 1801. Yeah, maybe we changed that name. (laughs) Yeah. So there's that. And then, like, people on living on the reservation, like, they don't have, like, a majority um, don't have access to running water Mm. and electricity. So then it becomes, like, why are we spending that much money for something that's out there that's going to benefit the few when we have needs here that are unmet? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think that's a valid point. Like, I think we want more from our government and it's just the priorities that they have are totally completely different than, than just getting us, getting their citizens help. So I do think it's dysfunctional and the way we've modeled our government is just, it's, it's not effective. It's a broken and, system. Yeah. I, I mean, I were, I lived with a, a girl I went to high school with for most of the, for the first part of the pandemic or like the, like uh, probably like mid to like four months ago. Okay. And she does uh COVID relief. That's what her job. And I would listen to these meetings and I was just like the disorganization and how like, you're right. The government, like, it seems just really just like, no, like no one knows what they're doing or they don't care. And like, there's a few that seem to just care only about themselves, like normal politicians and the whole thing. And I was just like, Jesus Christ. Cause like, you're right. No running water. And when you're in a pandemic, that's a huge problem. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, and, I mean, mm-hmm. it yeah, wasn't like the grassroots efforts that really st- 
stepped up and really Mm -hmm. filled that need during the pandemic, which was just kind of astonishing to me as like a native person, as a a Diné person, this is my government, what are they doing? Mm -hmm. And I volunteered to do um, contact tracing. Mm -hmm. And when they're told to go in isolation, a lot of people are like, well, I need food, I need water, Mm -hmm. I need cleaning products, I need this. Mm-hmm. And then who do we send to give that stuff to? It's a grassroots. Yeah, it was all volunteer. Like that's, yep. yeah. And like they rose up and they made sure people got the food. They made sure people got water. They did these huge programs where they're getting water tanks to people. Mm-hmm. They were getting like hand washing stations out even, like, to people. Too. Yeah. Like firewood Yeah. And it was like those grassroots of nonprofits like stepped up and did what? I think the government should have, mm. the, the government should have been doing, but no, instead we're debating if the casino should open. <laughs> right. <laughs> and it, that's why I think like the priorities aren't being represented by the tribal government. They're looking more at, I don't know. I, I'm really critical of the current president right now, Jonathan Nez. And I just, mm. he's really big on Twitter and, his public persona like that mm. takes precedence over mm. helping even though don't you fucking he... hate that it's like <laughs> yeah. shut up just do your job man mm-hmm. <laughs> like just shut up i don't want to hear from you on twitter <laughs> <laughs> exactly so it's just i don't, and that's difficult and then leading up to that like leadership um Having been in most of these positions, there are a few council members who are women, but it's it's pretty dominated by men and has mm-hmm. been dominated by men through the history. Mm-hmm. And we have election cycles every four years modeled like the U.S. government. And we've had women try and um, run for president. But then the backlash they receive is so misogynistic. They're like saying like, it's like a tool that that some people use to say that's not right a woman shouldn't be leading hmm. and why though having I mean, that perpetuated women were your leaders like yeah and i'm like how is how can they say that when we're so like our culture has been maternalistic mm-hmm. and um things come from our mothers and our mothers are sacred like you and it's like hard because like none of us very few of us have that teaching that came from before colonization and before all these efforts um, from the federal Indian policy that have affected us. Like, I, I, I really just wish I could get in, like, a time machine to get a glimpse of how it used to be before. <laughs> right. mm-hmm. but Take some me people... with you, and we'll do yeah. that Zeppelin on the way back. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll all go. <laughs> we'll all make the changes. We'll fast forward to 2020. It'll be fine. We lied 15 minutes later, we're dead. <laughs> they're like we don't like this time machine <laughs> or everyone we come in contact with is dead because of the diseases we carry <laughs> we'll wear masks what are you talking about um yeah i wish i could see that too because yeah. the heart do you think the heart and the mind are uh, fighting in, in your culture because mm-hmm. your true culture is not what the government your government is or you know, like there's been so, like you said, colonization, there's been so much of that. Do you think it's wreaking havoc on the soul of your, 
uh, the spirit of your people. I believe so. Um, and it is hard to say that trauma isn't passed down. Um, I, that's a really interesting concept to me is like the trauma that's inflicted, it does go down generational. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that has been the reason why there's so many social plights that affect people um, from the reservation or people who identify who are Navajo and Diné, like living on and off the reservation. Like, mm-hmm. I think they feel it. And unfortunately, the way the American public shifts it is that, oh, they're, they just become stereotypes. Oh, that's just like, like the drunken Indian. Oh, they're just mm. a drunken Indian and blah, blah, blah. Mm. Without understanding, like, why are they a drunken Indian? Yeah. Like why? Because they got everything stripped away and they were told they were less than and like all like, you know, like, Oh shit. It's a response. Mm -hmm. I I appreciate you bringing up that generational um, trauma because literally in two hours when we are talking about, we um, are recording a whole episode on trauma factors Uh today. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, Oh, you're bringing that up. Um, It is so important for us as our generation to dig up that generational trauma and heal that so it's not passed down to our children but i feel like how do we do that when the former generations and the people who are in power or have the biggest voice keep perpetuating that trauma Mm -hmm. it's an uphill battle yes it is i i don't think there's one answer that will solve everything or resolve anything and and then I think it does become like when you think of it 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 can get depressing thinking like man this is never gonna (laughs) ever work like this just sucks (laughs) like I can't do anything and I kind of get in that cycle too but then what brings me out is like um I always think like what can I do today for myself for my community and like for my family Yes. So, like, it's do, do you stepping... and Josh? Do you and Josh speak mm-hmm. Navajo with your girls? Um, Does he speak it? Uh, Josh, he doesn't. He's he knows Navajo. He knows Diné, but I feel like I'm the more fluent talker, and I'm the more I I feel like I'm I interject Navajo more mm. often than he does. Was he raised, was he raised is on he Diné? Yeah, he yeah. he was raised on a reservation. He's half white and half Navajo, okay. and um, so his did he father... have to split his time between cultures? Um, not really, because like during this the school year, they would stay on the res, and then during the summer months, they would go to Pittsburgh, where his mom is from. Mm. And so he did see he. I think his extremes of living in both worlds was there because he saw what's going on on the res and then seeing what like suburban America has mm-hmm. to offer and everything like that. And one of them definitely seems easier. One of them definitely seems easier mm-hmm. for sure. I'm sure. Yeah. And yeah, we're, we're doing our best to make sure they know Navajo and he's bigger into um, ABDN church and i could get the acronym for that it's i i can't say it <laughs> um, but it's a branch um the navajo um 
and I don't want to speak about it because I really don't, it's not my culture or it's not right. my religious so affiliation. School, right. Yeah. And it's Josh's um, affiliation. And I know it helps him a lot and sure. it, it connects him to the culture and everything like that. And That's he's fair. giving that to his children and he's passing that on to, to our kids, like our kids and um, instilling that in them, um, which I'm okay with. I, I'm more like, I'm, I'm traditional Navajo. I will, I like the traditional Navajo <laughs> philosophy right. and thoughts and like, that's how I affiliate it with. And then the ABDN is more like um, influences from the Native American church. So it's like um, the ceremony that they have. Um, yeah, that that's, that's I, to, I, mean, I didn't even know that was, I didn't even know that was a thing. I'm going to look yeah. into it. That's cool. yeah. so can I ask you, what are the um, traditional thoughts and philosophies that you are teaching your children? Um, that's a really good one. I think the traditional, that's a good question. It's just being Diné and taking pride in being Diné. Like mm-hmm. I'm telling, like they're already being told in school that they look white. Like my yeah. my daughter, um, she's six, so she's in first grade, mm-hmm. and I'm like, yeah, like you do look white, but you need to tell them that you're Dana. Like Wait, no so one why can ever take up? that are, to you. Are you on like a reservation there? I, I'm living in Minneapolis right now. I okay. moved out here in June, so it's been a couple months, and I'm working. Well, I don't want to say where I work, yeah. but anyways, I work <laughs> with <say>. a, <laughs> a tribal entity. Um, and um, so then we're getting immersed in the different um, indigenous people here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's harder for them because they came, their original homelands were on the East coast. Uh-huh. So they've really been impacted by getting pushed westward mm-hmm. and um dealing with the fallout of that their population is a lot smaller i think they mm-hmm. have like four thousand enrolled members um the malak band of ojibwe and the, i'm told that one of their elders had said had a, a vision and they were told to go west until they can find where food grows on water mm. Um, and that led them to Minnesota where the wild rice grows on the water. And, and then from that they had the reservation and then they've had like land basically stolen from them, um, Mm -hmm. using, using all sorts of crazy tactics, but it's different seeing like a tribe that's not on their original homeland. Like mm-hmm. Navajo, Lord Danette, we're, we were lucky. We we stayed on our ancestral homelands and that's where we're from. Our origin stories come from there. And that's another way. Um, I also I believe... didn't know that. I'm such a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that makes sense. Yes, continue. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, <laughs> no, it's okay. Like um, for Navajos, the origin stories kind of like it, to me, I can make relations with the Big Bang. There was like nothing. There was miss, miss people in the first world. And then in each world, it started evolving to where like the next world, there was like insects. The next world, there was like mammals. And then we're in the fourth world. Some people say we're in the fourth world or we're in the fifth glittering world right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've always been in the four sacred mountains. And... 
I, I, I can't say it off the top of my head, but definitely Flagstaff, um, the San, the San Francisco peaks, which are known as Dolgoslid, that's like the southern um, range of the reservation. And I'm off from the Western Agency, Tuba City, and that area, so I'm more familiar with with um, Flagstaff, and I know that that mountain very well. I love Flag so and, much. Yeah. So much better than Phoenix, man. <laughs> <laughs> so then every time we would go through these worlds, like the people, the Danette would like take remnants of the mountains and emerge into the new world and place them. Hmm. And so that's always happened. And like the third world, there was a great flood. And it's so interesting to see that great flood story like repeated with like different cultures, even mm-hmm. in the Bible, like mm-hmm. Noah and Ark. Like even in our culture, like we had to emerge to the next world by climbing this um, giant corn stalk that was planted, and all the people and the animals went up. So then, the last person, the last being to come up through the corn stalk was the turkey. And um, the turkey has like spots on its feathers because of the foam from the water rising, like splashing on him and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So like like stories like that, like the cultural stories, that's how I keep it traditional. And like the traditional ceremonies, like going to a medicine man. Um, and there's other so aspects. Are there, are there, like, uh, is there a medicine man in, in Josh's, uh, in, in, the, in the religion? Um, they call the, I don't want to speak out. I, from my <laughs> okay, understanding, okay, no, it's you, like, <laughs> yeah, no, you don't have to, you don't know, you don't know, it's fine. <laughs> yeah. They conduct the meetings and they're called like, um, I don't want to say roadmen, but they, they do conduct the meetings and they do have the knowledge that they pass and share. My stepdad is really big into it too. That's like, he kind of knew Josh when Josh was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it has a strong following and I believe it gives a lot of people faith and it does help them heal and it is the solution. I think you're being to that. really respectful right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we feel, we feel very similarly to uh, other religions near us. So yeah, we, we feel the same way. We're like, it okay, has its place. Doing their own mm-hmm. thing. All right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think that's really cool that you are making such a big effort because you're not on your ancestral lands at the moment to keep is that hard by that the way? alive with your children um yeah it's really hard i'm getting homesick but i'm just like um i was told we we had a, a medicine man come and pray for us before we left and he he framed it really well for us he's like this is just a journey you're gonna yeah. return home oh, and i'm like really are <laughs> That's Sweet. that's a nice way of looking at it, and <laughs> just getting <laughs> it, it's supportive, and um, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and bring that knowledge back. And I'm hoping that I get to retire early and I can go work on the res. <laughs> so th- that's my long term plan, and that's what keeps me going. You know, part of my long term plan does include coming and visiting you on the res. So yeah. it's gonna happen. We have we have matching dreams, so it's gonna that's how you know it's gonna happen. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so how how long are you gonna be in Minneapolis? Whatever, wherever you live. Yeah, what's the uh, foresee foreseeable future there? Yeah. Yeah, so 
at a minimum, I think three years. Um, it could go longer. I don't know. It just, it just depends. Um, it's really interesting being out here in Minnesota versus the Southwest because here everyone's talking about diversity, equity, and inclusion. Mm. Like it's mm. so big. Like even like our employers, like I had that training and it's like constantly talked about. Josh had a, his workplace and it was constantly talked about. And I feel like it was just due to the um, being here in the vicinity of what George Floyd happened. Yep. It's yep. like, oh, right, right, it's right. front and foremost. And it is so diverse here. There's so many different types of people. And it's, it's, it's challenging a lot of my preconceived notions. I thought I was really pretty much open, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm learning about my biases and everything. Mm. We're going like to talk about that on the next episode too. Cause I feel like I have some weird deep seated racism in me that I need to address because I, I know what you're saying where it's like, why am I having these feelings? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. which I, I, and I hate it. So I'm glad you brought it up, but that was very brave of you to bring it up. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I think we do judge we do quick judgments just because we're it's we we want to be safe and like yes. are we safe in this environment but then it comes down to you like understanding like wow like i did have those thoughts like why did i have those thoughts and really delving into it and making sure it you don't act out on it to me exactly right yeah or you or you question yourself i hate have even having the thought though like it makes me feel gross well recognizing that you have them is a huge how do i make them stop (laughs) you can't you can't you're human i think you're gonna always have them and you are you are descended from hunter gatherers people who had to say this person is not from my tribe are they safe like that's it rooted in your biology i guess that's fair but it's just also like causing a lot of problems yeah of course it <laughs> socially is. i of mean obviously a way more ramped up version because like i would you know i would never but like i just i'd always just like god i hate that i hate that i have like even if it's just like a casual not even a big deal like we're gonna talk about i had my first black sexual experience the other day and it's like the fact that i even categorize that drives me crazy like, it's like, why does it even matter? <laughs> you know, <laughs> like why? And like, it, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like, and I don't know, it, I'm struggling with it right now. So we'll, yeah. deep, we'll, we'll deep dive into it on, not on your uh, episode, but, <laughs> <It's okay>. <laughs> but like, <laughs> I think you had to put in the work into it and it is, um, it's not something that's easy and it's easy to feel discomfort in it mm-hmm. and it is uncomfortable and it's easier to just be like yeah i think what i think and so what (laughs) like that's really easy and that's what a lot of people do but like to like really think about it like wow why did i have those thoughts and like just unpacking it like i think that makes you a better person and i think it's just because we're i think we're highly intelligent like it's just always gonna be uncomfortable yeah yeah does it help Is it helpful to have the diversity there? Or, I, I, I mean, mm-hmm. like, weigh the pros and cons for me. Um, let's see. Pros. Um, I work with a really diverse group. Um, I've got everybody who's, like, Minnesotan white to international students from China, Taiwan, 
um, Pakistan, and then I work with tribal members who are from Minnesota, who see the Minnesota. And then I, and then outside of that, I'm reaching for different people too. Um, I, I like following different social media types where people are really sharing with their culture. And there's some Diné people up here who have really cool social media um, content that I follow and like I feel connected to them in that way. So it's, I think it's cool like that there's so many different people and we're all learning from one another. Um, like I, I learned about the Moon Festival, the Harvest Festival um, oh, from oh. one of the international students. And it's like a celebration that they have during the autumn moon um, and to eat moon cakes. Like, like <laughs> there's like, and they have stories behind that and stuff like that. And then like, I, I relate that to like Diné, like our New Year's happens with the new moon in October. That oh, was cool. the traditional New Year's, like the the ending of the harvest and then the beginning of um, winter to go ahead and wipe everything out and start new and fresh. That makes so much sense. Yeah, that's a better yeah. way, I feel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So so it's just I I like I personally like challenging myself and meeting diverse people. I just like making those connections. Like we're all different and we're all unique um, mm. and everybody just wants to be treated the way they want to be treated. And, and I just, I just like meeting new people. And uh, the other side is the harsh side um, where I see the systemic racism and like the hands, the, what was dealt to other people to make them not in the, um, a good financial situation that I'm in. And um, that for me is like heartbreaking. Like it's heartbreaking seeing people on the street and it's like, what, what can I do? Like, um, can I ask a, this question just popped into my head. Do you, yeah. do you feel a camaraderie with uh, descendants of slaves in this country? Because you both got fucking dicked down by the U S government. Hmm. Or is that something that's never crossed your mind? <laughs> that's n- not really crossed my mind. Um, see, this, I, is why I, this is why I hate how my brain works, you see. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't, I personally haven't met someone who ha- is a descendant of uh, a slave, mm-hmm. but I feel that the Black experience in America mm-hmm. has similarities to the, to the Indigenous experience, but it's still very different. Um, yeah, I think it's I think it's way different a way different experience too. But I also <laughs> feel like both of you have been treated like you're less than. Mm-hmm. Both of you both of you have been robbed. Uh, even you know even if you're talking about like the '60s and stuff, like you know like the civil rights movement, all that shit. So I mean, I <laughs> obviously it's a very way far and wide different story but i always have wondered like i wonder if that would be like a icebreaker (laughs) between like a indigenous person and a black person to be like yo so how about the u.s government huh (laughs) you know like this is just again my mind's fucked i'm sorry i'm just like having these stupid white people thoughts (laughs) Uh, it's It's a safe space i feel yeah i mean 
I'm not yeah. I'm not embarrassed by any of the questions you're asking. <laughs> like <laughs> No, I mean I'm not I'm not even saying that, but I'm there are like, complicated I'm like, issues that, is, that you're talking that's about. A, but... Maybe that's a racist thing to think. Yeah. I th- I think it's like a it it's a huge complex issue that can't be just generalized, like I feel. Because right, like right. the black experience is on its own, like a horrific terrible and like what we're living with now i think there are similarities to the what's happening with indigenous people like i just saw this one post that compared like what's happening to black youth is like the school to prison complex Mm -hmm. like that's just like happening to set them up to fail like they're like just hearing that like child like I don't want to put childcare workers on the spot but like just like early educators like treat black children differently mm-hmm. um more like harshly or, or more something. punishment yeah yeah and then that just creates like like I don't think people think like it creates self-hatred yeah and if you hate yourself so bad you you don't care anymore and you're not a part of the community so you're not going to do things you're not going to make the right choices and and then unfortunately, and then they don't have many choices to begin with to get out of that cycle. And it just like pushes them into the prison where they're getting profited off of. Mm-hmm. And then I saw this one post saying like during the pandemic, a lot of indigenous communities had to resort back to um, to hunting and foraging mm-hmm. and the U.S wildlife game and fish is exercising their authority over them and making them go to um fining them getting them felonies and getting them into that prison system too taking away their ability to feed their communities and it just goes back to like all that stuff with the treaties like we're given these rights Mm -hmm. but mm, still we're fighting for them yeah (laughs) What the fuck, man? If someone has to hunt to survive, leave them alone. Leave them alone. (laughs) For God's sake. I knew a kid who his family was so poor that his dad would go to like, he would fish illegally, but it's like, that's all they had. Mm -hmm. Can we not? Can we not? Oh my God. The system is so broken. I'm so pissed. So broken. I'm like, yeah. my blood is boiling right now. <laughs> yeah. And I, I like, I can see the similarities that are like in place that produce these things. And um, uh, it, it, it's, I don't know what's going to fix <laughs> anything or like, I don't know. Revolution, that. unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then We're I wonder get like, French up in here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's like one and I wouldn't have thought of that and gone that if I hadn't been on social media. Like I don't trust the internet, but it's really cool to see the content of people putting out there that are really mm-hmm. honest and like truthful and trying to get their information out. Um, I think I think the internet's helpful if you're ta- if you're communi- if you're communicating with other people if you're just like listening you know just grabbing headlines or whatever clickbait I think that shit's way harmful but like I think the internet's great because like Kendra brings up the native TikToks that she lo- she loves where she's just like I wouldn't have seen this otherwise I love that aspect I love that you can find out what the true story about what's going on with someone who was actually there and they're like 
and you can just communicate with them directly. But yeah, I think the internet is fucking harmful. <laughs> yeah. My new my new job wanted me to get a Facebook for the job and I said, I don't no. care enough about this job to do that. Thank you, no. Good for you. <laughs> I'm like my mental health's way more important than this job. <laughs> yeah. like, That's how we communicate. I'm like, we're communicating right now on my phone. <laughs> Just in, in defense of TikTok, I feel like there were um there weren't barriers within built into the system to silence minority voices. Mm-hmm. And so my, that's why I feel personally that Trump wanted to shut down TikTok in particular, because the true voice that he was trying to silence was being amplified. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, that's just my perspective of it. Obviously like you are in the real culture of it and seeing how it's affecting people. But if it weren't for that and it weren't for like courses that I was trying to take, but lost um, because of stress and PTSD or whatever um, there were, um, I tried to take a course from university of Alberta that was designed by first nation people of Canada and like built by first nation people. And so I feel like, it's coming into this gener- like this um, awareness of people and accessibility for people to have those voices, teach them. I, I think I'm just like floundering here, but that's what I'm trying to say <laughs> no, is like okay. in defense of that, I think it's Oh, I wasn't, Important. I wasn't putting, I wasn't putting, I wasn't putting no, 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 no. Down. I, I, saying... I, lo- I love when you send me yeah, those, yeah. Uh, those videos. Um, but I think that's interesting what you said about Trump too. Like that's that's wild, dude. That's could be it. Could be it. Anyway, sorry, I just stopped on you. Sure. No, no. no. So I I'm obviously swimming in my thoughts and can't can't yeah. tread tread real good. <laughs> I think I think when uh, the indigenous perspective gets opened up, it does it does get you thinking about like the history and the ramifications and like the current trends now. I think. Um, indigenous creators are awesome. Like I've, I've followed quite a few of them and they just create like such good stuff that just, just blows my mind. And it's like, yeah, I, I totally understand what you're getting at. And there's a lot of the fun stuff too, the indigenous joy that's out there. Cause it doesn't always have to be about the trauma and the history. Like we're still mm-hmm. here. We're still thriving. We're we've, we've, you, you can't wipe this out. Yeah. <laughs> we're yeah. we're, we're going to be here and we have a lot to say. So listen to us. <laughs> and, and there really is so much joy in your culture. Like mm-hmm. I've had some of my best laughs with, George Lee, my neighbor, <laughs> my neighbor growing <laughs> up, we would sit and laugh till we would pee in our pants. And he like, seriously, like you as a, I'm not trying to like blanket statement y'all, but like you are, it, it, you're right. It isn't just about the trauma. Y- y'all are great people. And like you've enriched my life so much. Like I'm so enthusiastic about the culture and I'm so grateful that I got raised, you know, adjacent to it. But do you feel like excited or exposed for having all this new exposure you know what I mean like do you feel uncomfortable with it just based off the the history or are you like yeah send it go all the way um I I think um it I'm trying to find my words 
Um, it fine. is Take all your time. a double-edged sword um, because we are putting our culture out there. We are showing that we are here and everything like that. But at the same time, I don't want people to all think that all natives are like that. Yeah. I, I feel like right. that just becomes a generalization. Mm -hmm. um, I have different varying indigenous voices that I listen to. Some things I agree with, some things I don't agree with. And I think... I mean, you're it's giving a good example in your own house, you and Josh, like you respectfully are doing two different things. Yeah. It sounds like, so like, and you're both natives, like, so like, whatever, like, you know, you you are individuals. Mm -hmm. Of course, there is a reverence in your culture, though. <laughs> you know, it's nothing that I've ever experienced because I'm a freaking European mutt <laughs> who got raised in a cult. So like, I, you know, like... I don't know. I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not, I'm not, I don't, I don't, I'm not preaching to you or anything. I'm just saying like, I mean, you know, you're part of it. It's, there's just such a, a reverence to your culture. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And it, indigenous people, like even in the, the Navajo and the, the tribe I have, like think of everybody in that's around you in your community and that level of how everybody thinks differently Mm -hmm. That's like the same on the res. Like we've got Trump supporters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we have like this super anti-colonialism. Let's take down the government. And then we have the people in the middle of the road. And then like it's our, our tribal members are their own individuals. And there's such a huge varying amount of where everybody's at. Mm -hmm. And I think I'm the person that, kind of just likes observing and watching and just like seeing how things are related or connected and um, more of the introverted type and like it, but then I feel like I, I lean back to like, we had, we have our Diné culture that was so um, original that is alive still today. And that's what I want to believe in and then that's my religion mm. and um if you ask people about their religion on the res you're going to get so many different answers um right. some people are catholic some people um are mormon um some people are baptists and then we have those that say they just do traditional atheists and the native american church the abdn so it's just so different um yeah, like we're, we're, we have similarities. Our differences and our similarities are probably exactly the same. Like, like 50, parallel. You know? yeah, yeah, for real. Um, I have a question. Did you have a, did you have a lot of anthropologists visiting you as a kid? Like, did you, were there always anthropologists around on the res? I'm glad no anthropologist ever came up to me. What's, okay, I'm, what's an a, anthropologist? A person who studies culture. Oh, yeah. I had the worst experience with an anthropologist at ASU. Tell us oh. everything. Yeah. <laughs> Start from the beginning. What was his name? I don't remember his, his name. How he's long was his hair? And then he's just like, all these native people are going to lose their culture because they can't talk their own language. The language is going to be gone within the next two decades. Like, But is he right? I'm going to say no, because oh we think, are, your, our, our, your generation's going to make sure it's not, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's really awesome. Like, um, there's, 
we're we're using our traditionalism and we're putting a spin on like mainstream things we have like um Naomi Glasses the Dene Weaver if you don't follow her on Instagram she's really cool she's like a traditional Dene Weaver and she skates boards um she's been in a Sephora campaign um what's her, what's, name, what's her at Naomi Glasses um I can send it how it's spelled yeah send us in the email or whatever and yeah i can i can tag that as a resource in the show notes for anybody who wants it i'll link it to you i'll (laughs) get us an instagram uh message going between the two of us cool 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 so Um, she's really cool she's like showing the danae culture and beauty and um, showing her art artistic ways and she's doing so much stuff with so many mainstream things and of course there's going to be the 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 other the criticism that comes from that that we shouldn't be sharing and that we shouldn't be doing that but Mm. I think for her it's been a lot more positive and and then just like that sparks so much imagination and creativity I think among the youth and I've seen representation's important, right? Like I'm a white chick. I don't know because I've always mm-hmm. been represented. Representation's important in the, yeah. in the mainstream, isn't it? It is important. And like um, Hulu's Reservation Dogs, like do you that like that show? Is I personally like it. I think it's a good story. It's not it, my it's tribe. Laugh, it's made me laugh a couple. Of, like yeah, it makes me laugh. Like I'm like these fucking goofy bastards. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's a good story. And I like the way how they touched on different aspects that um, indigenous people share, Mm -hmm. but they didn't make it overly sad and like trauma driven. There was a lot of joy in it. And um, I thought it was well done. I liked it. Um, And... I mean that's good because like when I when people do like Mormon stuff I'm like well this is this 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 and that you got wrong uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not I'm not even a good Mormon I'm not even a Mormon but like um I'm it has your self approval Reservation Dogs on Hulu everyone it's a yeah. uh, what's his face Takiki whatever right yeah why well, however you say his last name I, <laughs> I don't, did I get his first name right that never yeah. happens I never pronounce see. anything correctly it's Reservoir Dogs right. Reservation, Reservation dogs. dogs. Reservation dogs. Reservation dogs. Is a dogs. Tarantino. Thank you. I was like, I. What are you talking about? Reservation <laughs> dogs. Twenty twenty one. It's just about like a group of uh, native kids like running around causing trouble, uh, getting into like funny situations and stuff. Taika, Taika Waititi. Taika Waikiki. He did Jojo Rabbit, y'all. Yeah, I would too. I wouldn't. I would even in that Hitler costume. I would. <laughs> no. Whoa! Yes. Well, I will say he is good looking too. There's my two cents. <laughs> and he's funny. And he's funny. That's just great. Matters. Probably gonna um, bleep that last part out. I just, I'm not <laughs> no, I was teasing you. I don't care. I, I never talk about Hitler, Kendra. God. <laughs> Your uncle? <laughs> my uncle, Uncle Hitler, Uncle Adolf. Um, oh God. So, ooh, let's talk about World War II, the Wind Talkers. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. Do you have I any have questions? Do you have, do you have any connections to that? Like, do you know anyone who was one? Um, um, I know Josh's cousin's grandfather was a co-talker. I don't have any in my family that I know of. I just had people that um, my father serves in the U.S. Marine Corps and his mm-hmm. father too. But 
Not a Navo cooker. Do you want to do you want to tell the story about that? Do you want to tell like the because for people who don't know? Okay, yeah. So during World War II, um, it I think it's primarily in the Pacific. Um, when we were fighting against Japan, like every code that was used was getting broken by um, the Japanese, and so the there was a need to be able to communicate in secret because everybody had everything over the airways. So any message that was sent out could be received by the, um, then the enemy and, um, they can find out what your, where, what your plans are and all that stuff. So, um, they, I forgot the guy that decided to, there's, there is, um, I think Peter McDonald has a book out there. I'm not sure if that's right. Um, I believe it is. And he talks about, like, goes through the history and identifies that the person that wanted to start the division um, with Navajo language. Um, I think, yeah, I, I, I'm not sure about I'm, I'm the origin but I'm doing bad. So the United <laughs> States Marine Corps, whose pri- pri- primary job was to transmit secret tactical message, uh, co-talkers transmitted messages over military telephone or radio communications nets using formally and formally developed codes built upon their native language. And is it true in Navajo, uh, Diné language? Well, how do you say what's, what, how do you say, th- is it just Diné? Like, is that, if, is that how it's the right way? Um, is it, you, is it, you don't, there's not a, word for anything is just describing stuff is that what it, someone explained that said that to me once and I, is that real um so it's the nipizad so yeah like that's like the general overview that we they created the code um and it was animals some animals were used in it um mm. navajo can be very complex um i know with my daughter she's getting stuck on the <laughs> word like clean like that's horse like that clean the beginning oh, sound of it clean. yeah 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 i want to <laughs> i want to go to class i want to go to the neighbor's class yeah it's a mizad <laughs> that is that class um yeah. it so, is funny too when you're telling like native stories your accent comes out where i love it it's cute <laughs> <laughs> i think for the rest of the hour just speak in the Dene, <laughs> and we will just listen. We'll just listen and go, uh huh. Uh-huh. I have a question for you. Yep. Do the Dene people feel taken advantage of? And do they also feel adequately honored, revered, compensated for their service in saving so many of these white boys? Hmm. I have never been met with that question before. Um, and for a co-talker, like, they're so revered within our community. Like, anyone who has joined the service is receives, like, a special recognition in the community. Um, Veterans Day is today while we're recording it. Yeah. Like, yeah. we do honor them. Tell Josh oh. happy Veterans Day. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> so they're so revered. I don't think there's ever been really a push for them to have anything mm. like like they did it out of service to the country so i think that's why there's never been like 
we should get retribution for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and after World War II, they were told never to speak of it for, I believe, because it was top secret. They couldn't tell people what they did. Mm. They couldn't share the, that they were code talkers or anything like that. Mm. And tell their files were okay. This can be revealed to the public. I think it was for forty years. Forty oh, years. Shit. Yeah. So then they're finally getting recognition. They're finally um, our our government um, has August fourteenth. I believe it's August fourteenth, designated as um, Navajo Code Talker Day. So we do have that day off. Um, there's a push in Arizona does uh, um, just uh, recognized it this year, I believe, cool. or last year. So Good. it's most recent. And now it's getting more known. I think the movies, Hollywood tried to make it even. Yeah, I said Wind Talkers. Like, that's what it's called. That's called the name of the movie. <laughs> I'm a jackass. Sorry. <laughs> so it's like, I don't even remember the movies. Like, it's just funny when big Hollywood does that. Like, mm-hmm. all the Navajos go and watch it, and then we'll just rip it apart <laughs> i'm pretty <laughs> sure i did that too and it, i just didn't keep memory of it in my head it's i no, would have honestly, to rewatch that's, it <laughs> that's no it's a stupid movie that's why reservation dogs the fact that you're giving it your nod of approval i'm like all right cool because <laughs> yeah. it was shit, definitely gonna watch it <laughs> it's a hulu um, exclusive on fx so <laughs> oh yes um so how's is josh teaching in uh, there now then um yes and I think teachers are underappreciated, oh, underpaid, and <laughs> um, it, speak it, preach it. It's I, completely different. I think we're kind of missing the small townness of Flagstaff. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it would be as bad as what the public schools are going through here. Like it's just, it's just like a lack of apathy from the kids. But then I kind of feel for the kids like why do we set up this society where your parents are at work all day and you never see them just so that they can afford to give you a home and food i don't know like yeah it's a fucked system it seriously is and it's got to be so hard because it is you are seeing it from a different standpoint where the poverty is there but it's a totally different ball game right Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm it's yeah, crazy. it is. Um, so there it, are there, there are there a lot of Mormons in Flag and Flagstaff. Let's see. I'm trying to think. I know um, of friends who and acquaintances are, that are a part of the Mormon Church. I know that they have um, a church in Cameron, Arizona, which is between Tuba City. Well. Tuba City and Flagstaff and the major cities would be Page and Flagstaff, Arizona. Right. Like it's like the halfway point. There's a church there. I think there is one in Tuba City as well. And growing up. Yeah, I feel uh, like I saw one. I went down there. I went there, down there last year. By the way, the line to get the COVID vaccination shot in Tuba City was outrageous. And that was that's a good example of the government sucking it up, sucking it up your government, because... The line was five hours long to get the vaccine. Oh my gosh. <sighs> so like, anyway, sorry, continuing on. <laughs> <laughs> I have ADHD, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> it, it ha- I think just the pandemic showed how, 
how much resources and infrastructure is needed on the reservation. And it goes back to that. Like, does the government have our, like the, like the ordinary citizens best interests in mind? Like, I don't feel like it's there, but at the same time, like it is, they're trying to solve, trying to remedy like decades long, um, basically like inefficiencies and they're trying to fix it within four years. I kind of get that part, but then at the same time, like, are they really doing all that they well, can? It shouldn't be that hard to change things then, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, that's how I feel about it. It's like, even in the U.S. government, it's like, things need to be moved faster. We should all just vote every Friday on our phones, mm -hmm. like American Idol. Like, Text in, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, who cares? Like, let's just, there's got to be, there's got to be a better way. And it's just, like, so stupid, and it's all bureaucratic bullshit. And then the second the next person comes in, they undo everything everyone did, the last person did. It's just so... And then, like, midterm, there's, like, these uh, other, I mean, like, they're important, right? The branches of president of the government. But, like, then they make sitting duck presidents all the time. And, like, nobody can move anywhere. And Yeah. Let's just tear it all down. Yeah, it's it. like, if, if I made that little progress at my job, I wouldn't have it. Right. <laughs> You'd be fired. <laughs> You'd be fired. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah. Um, by the way, the drive from Page to Tuba City is one of the most beautiful drives on the planet. It is. Not, don't go, so everyone. Funny. Leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. During a pandemic, the, the reservation was able to close like its eastern access points, but they could never close the thoroughway between Page and Flagstaff mm. to kind of prevent COVID. Because um, like the reservation, it goes through the reservation, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it's and, like everyone's going to Lake Powell for their boats and you can't stop. You can't stop them from getting there. I did notice that like Four Corners area was closed down for a long time. Um, yes, it was. All the tribal parks were closed for a really long time, which was, that was really sad. Um, so the tribal parks, Monument Valley, Four Corners, Canyon de Chez, um, all these really like very beautiful places the and we have tribal parks set up so that we can we're supposed to be changing to a tourism economy but hmm. then we shut that down and we didn't open them back up even though they were like pretty much could be done outside in the open well yeah. ventilated areas um even Antelope Park or Antelope Canyon, those tours were shut down too. So these business people's livelihood and their employees really suffered during the pandemic. And I, I was just so upset with the government that they wouldn't let them open. Um, yeah, because like, aren't people like relying on selling their handmade items and um the revenue from the visitors and like that's survival yes and that's, that's the other aspect too like people who depended on roadside um roadside sales and artisans they definitely felt the pandemic like their livelihood is just like taken away from them and told they can't do it and then as more science came on like it's just like what the riskiest is just being enclosed unventilated areas um 
those are risks. Like even with that information, they wouldn't reopen. I don't know mm. how long they were closed. Like I left in June and I think they were still closed from March, 2020 to Holy June, shit. 2021. I don't wow. know when they finally got to reopen. And um, so that's just like the boot on the neck, but like, that not that a failure for both the governments though, both the U S and the Navajo government. Cause it's like, you should, if during a pandemic, you shouldn't have to sell shit on the side of the road. <laughs> you just shouldn't. You should just be able to stay your ass at home, get some, make sure you're taken care of because that's what living in a society is, right? Mm-hmm. And then let's get the shit taken care of. But like, no one gave a shit. Like, Bryce Canyon was busier than it's ever been, you know? Like, people like, and how they wouldn't close down 89 because it runs through the reservation, which I get it. I understand. But it's also like, there just was a lack of care. I that feel. goes. I feel like that goes back to the infrastructure that um, Valerie was talking about. You were talking about earlier, mm. where they're spending millions of dollars here on a house, and they're not investing back in their community where they needed it. Like, yes, um, yes, you can sell your artisan trinkets online. You can you can sell the jewelry that you make or the pottery that you're the weaving that you make, and you can start an online commerce but um that's still not gonna make it and and there there's still problems like i know that brace canyon can handle the white people going in and out because they've got the infrastructure for that right but like it's not the same well you're saying sell things online how no i'm saying that like i saw a lot more of influx of that but val what's what's on what does the internet look like on the reservation terrible yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what i'm saying I, i'm saying I, that there's no support there there's mm-hmm. no infrastructure there to i mean i mean their livelihood depended on those parts being yeah open. and that that brings up like another big criticism i had of the government is like they got this influx of money from the u.s that i think it was tarp that was passed and everything so they got like i don't know how much money but instead of like investing in the broadband or something that can get people connected from home. I don't know what happened with the money. Mm. <laughs> and then I know they have, um, yeah, now I don't there's think, like, I don't think you're ever going to know what happened. With yeah. The money. Now it's there's disgusting. a scandal, like the government set up a kind of like a GoFundMe, like a donation site. And then now there's like fall back on like what's happening with those funds? Where are those funds going? Mm-hmm. It's just so hard, like following the money and seeing where it actually goes when we have so much need for services. I think the broadband really affected um, children who were told to start um, basically doing remote learning. Right. Um, there is this. Some people had this assumption like, oh, they can just go remote learning, get on the internet, and they should be fine. But it's like, Mm -hmm. no, like some places don't have broadband. Some people can't have the internet. So then it goes to, okay, we're going to print out these worksheets and have the students drive and come and get them. And like, that was a total disaster nightmare. (laughs) I want to say shit show, but yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah. Like, I've heard a lot of these stories because I live with this girl who did it. And I was just like, holy, the, like, the disorganization, it's got to be so frustrating. And also, mm-hmm. like, you guys are, like, people are so far apart. 
Like, it's not like he can just walk next door. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, and, like, having, like, 5G or broadband or whatever just to check in with the elders yeah, would have been so helpful during the pandemic. You know, mm-hmm. like, just for ease of mind and stuff like that. Or to find out when they need, like, medical care, when it's time to bring them on in and stuff. So it's just like, yeah, like, but there's also, I wonder how you feel about this. Because I'm super protective of the land down there because it's my home, too. And, like... <laughs> part of me is like let's share it with the world the other part of me is like please don't come onto my land because it's like so sacred it's so desolate and that's what makes it so special i mean there's a lot of things that make the desert special but like the high desert and like flag flag so beautiful and like Paige and like bryce zion all this stuff like what are your thoughts on that do you feel like we keep, we keep a leash on it, like we, we uh, an arm's length, or are you are you all for the tourism? Because you brought up tourism going to be your main mm-hmm. source of income. That's yeah. Like I'm I'm struggling with that because like the tribe is saying like tourism is where we need to go. Tourism is where we should be heading. Mm-hmm. But then the flip side is like, well, do we want all these people coming here, and do we just want to be like, be taken advantage of, like? Um, and then there's a lot, there's a big movement from um, the anti-colonialism side saying like, just get your capitalist butt out of our lands. Mm-hmm. And I right. kind of like, I can, I, I feel each sentiment. Um, it's complicated. It, yeah. <laughs> I can see all sides of it. Um, Flagstaff is like, for me, like a real, a, a touch point for me because like it's insane how much housing costs in Flagstaff, and it's um, restricted to to building and developing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's like our sacred mountain, and we told them like I'm pretty sure our ancestors and all different tribes view those mountains as sacred. Um, yeah. We have the Hopi. Right the Apache, the Yavapai, and the tribes that are in the Grand Canyon, that's, like, a pretty much, like, everybody knows those mountains in the region, and it's sacred. And the fact that settlers came here and made a settlement there is just, like, it shouldn't have been done. But their Flagstaff is, and their Flagstaff is creating um this housing crisis or there's no affordable housing and so many people that are indigenous in Flagstaff like they can't afford to live there and it's just insane to me that the the people that are original to the area are forced out yeah and and then there's so much like um people that aren't from here that don't even know that story that just like accept Flagstaff as the home that this is their their second mountain home and everything's great and cozy Mm -hmm. without Mm -hmm. really knowing the history Mm -hmm. about it and then also there's the subject of the the snowball that's um on the mountain too it's a ski resort and they wanted to implement um reclaimed um snowmaking reclaim water snowmaking uh, yeah and they do that the, in park city it's so fucking weird it's like the weirdest thing yeah and the, the tribes have said in opposition no do not do that like we have 
this is like sacred land. We don't want that happening. But then, of course, capitalism wins, and that's pushed aside and mm-hmm. said. Um, and then, I, like, I honestly got to tell you, when because mm-hmm. I lived in Park City for a little bit, and I worked up there, when they would make fake snow, like when they would blow snow, I. I have never felt more like I was in an alien scenario in my life. It was so unearthly to me, like so unnatural. <laughs> and I just was like, I'm stoned. So I'm stoked, but I'm also like, what the fuck? This is so creepy. I hated it. I hate, I hate mm-hmm. that. I hate that shit. Same with park city too. I'm with you because it's like these people move in, they build these gigantic houses. They're only there for part of the time. So they don't really care about what's going on in the town. And then like the help quote unquote help lives in low income housing, but it's still expensive, but it's low income because the medium median is so huge because of these million dollar homes. It's frustrating. Native should get a, should get severely discount homes. I think I feel (laughs) you should have to pay full rent. Yeah, it's just, it's it's insane. Flagstaff is crazy. And then there's just this racism that's there that the city council is trying to say, we're all, everything's good. We celebrated Indigenous Day instead of Columbus Day. Yay, us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But they, they won't get into, like, they won't address the nitty-gritty. The and- systemic problems that they have yeah mm-hmm. and i'm glad there's there's an activist out there named clee benali and i follow him on instagram and he does really good work um his views are really anti-colonialism like get these people out of here mm-hmm. um so i i don't know if that will be everybody's cup of tea but it he does bring an interesting perspective and i i, I like hearing that part mm-hmm. of it um yeah, it's, it's, I don't know, like, there's so many complex issues on, like, so many different fronts. I think we've, like, covered everything, mostly everything, like, touched on it, at least. Um, well, just tell us about you, then. What's your, what do you like to do for fun? I, want, I wanted to ask, I wanted to ask. Yeah, um, what can, so, like, people are living in Utah and in Arizona, and New Mexico, I'm assuming, is a large part of that. Um, Diné Nation, too, is right. Mm-hmm. What can the citizens of those states do to help stand up for and protect um, Native and First Nation rights? And what can we do there to help? <laughs> Take your time. Like, what can, what can we do? question. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm I'm going through and trying to think of like what can I do too. I'm always like struggling with that as well. Um, I think for people in the region and in the area, is just be open to hearing native, um, indigenous voices and perspectives of people that are in the area. I think a lot of good is coming out of partnerships that are happening locally in the community and that's where i think is the biggest like the biggest way to make change is starting with yourself starting locally um i would say learning about the history of the region and the area um i want to say but be careful what history you (laughs) consume because um, yeah, because I looked, I tried to look mm-hmm. up the settlers of, this is what I was trying to look up. I was trying to look up and see if Mormons 
settled Flagstaff and started this whole problem because, you know, me, I like to center the story around Mormonism. We like to but, blame the Mormons. Yeah. But um, there were so there was so many um, websites right off the bat that said Flagstaff was settled by the Hopi all of these all of these um tribes that you mentioned and i was like okay so that's good like people are recognizing that just because a white person came and said it was settled does not mean that it wasn't settled before you know what mm-hmm. i mean so i'm thinking like i think the voices are coming and saying yes this is not just invented because a white man said it what is a resource that we can use for learning like is there like like an author that you suggest or I mean you've been suggesting some creators on our social media so I think I want to link those too but is there a main resource that we can dive into hmm that's that's so hard because I've just in my life I've just gotten bits and pieces from like everywhere yeah and it's been so long since I've actually read a formal book written about the history, um, I'd have to go and look look it up to see if here's, there's something sure. that I can recommend. Here's how I here's how I want I, we're gonna do it through this podcast. Mm-hmm. Would you please tell us about your wedding? <laughs> you, had <a> tradi- <laughs> you had a traditional wedding, right? Yeah. Okay, so tell us all the details because I loved every second of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the pictures were also beautiful. Your dress was great. I loved everything about it. Okay, I'm going to use my wedding photo as the picture you guys put up. <laughs> Yay! I'm so excited! I'm so excited! <laughs> Seriously, so beautiful. Like, it captures the spirit of... I, I'm just like, ah! Anyway, sorry. I might yeah, romanticize it in my mind. You can see me when I was, like, 10 years younger. <laughs> I'll yeah. totally do that. <laughs> So tell us, tell us about the process of uh, from the engagement yeah. through the wedding. So the so then um, Josh proposed like tr- tr- I don't want to say white. No, that's fine. White traditional. Western, <laughs> yeah, like he got down on one knee and proposed, and Aww. um he bought a ring for to propose on Valentine's Day, but he couldn't wait because he got the ring in, so he proposed like January twenty sixth. <laughs> <laughs> gave it the mail. <laughs> so, you guys are seriously like, so cute. I love you. Anyways, continue. yeah. Um, so we got engaged, and then we're talking about our wedding, and um, and it was just like, do we do what? Um, white Americans do and mm-hmm. just do the white dress and walking down the aisle. Um, but then we're like, we thought we wanted that, but then there's this nagging thing inside. I think both of us that felt it like we should honor our culture and do a traditional wedding. And then so that that little voice inside our heads just got louder for both of us that maybe it was like our ancestors telling us like oh it was hey, it was you have it something was. special mm-hmm. you have something good like why do you want to do something that's not what you are kind of thing mm-hmm. so it's like Love okay me. we're we then we changed everything we're gonna have our navo traditional ceremony um our wedding done that way and the way it's done is um Everything happens at the wife's, the the bride's home, um, the homestead of the the mother. So it's at my mom's house on the res, and it happens inside a traditional hogan, 
Um, and Hogan is just basically a, a building with eight sides. Um, one of the traditional home structures that we have in our culture, there's a male and female Hogan. So it's in the female Hogan called a Hogan. And oh, cool. so it happens there and it happens um, towards sunset. Oh, wow. Um, and then the groom is supposed to come from his homestead on horseback because we just did horseback back then. But we've adopted so it. So romantic. Now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's like contemporary. Of course, we, we have cars and trucks and trailers and all that <laughs> stuff. So, but then they, they would, they're traditionally supposed to come on horseback. Some people still do that part of it. Um, Josh didn't. <laughs> he, he, I think he came in a Chevrolet. I can't remember. It's <laughs> a lot of horses in that. <laughs> and then um, I'm I'm holding a wedding basket. There's a basket that's ceremonial made for the event, and I had the basket with um, cornmeal in it. I, or was it empty? I can't remember. But anyways, I have a basket. I have a blanket that I'm going to go ahead and give to Josh's family. So then Josh's family Had fills someone up. made the blanket for this uh, special occasion? Or was it like a, it was like a, a hand, hand down blanket? Um, no, it was just like a Pendleton blanket. And okay. thankfully, people are like revolting against Pendleton. And we're going with more indigenous brands. Um, eighth Generation has really good wool blankets. It's just like... Um, a, sh- a a gift to show gratitude and respect oh, okay. is the blankets. So um, is Pendleton like, is Pe- sorry, is Pendleton like taking Native American culture and selling it? But yeah, like, led by, it, okay. like Pendleton's like a big player. Minnetonka with their moccasins, like they mm. they've just like um, appropriated the style and also like the look. And just yeah, basically made money off of it without yep. giving any respect to the original creators, which were indigenous peoples. So did you did you say that eighth generation is native creators and native? Company? Yeah, okay. they're doing like native, um, native made, um, native designed, and everything like that, which cool. is cool. Like social media, you wouldn't have known about it, but now right, there's right. a big push to right. be like, we're gonna buy indigenous, like. Cool, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm looking at for moccasins right now. Me too. <laughs> I pulled up the site and I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna buy all this stuff. <laughs> yeah, and then, um, so then his family filled the hogan, and traditionally, my husband's not supposed to see my mom. Mm. Um, my mom is supposed to be shrouded, like they're not supposed to see each other, like culturally and taboo and stuff like that. What's that? What's that about? Because like she's giving you away to him. Is that what it is? <sighs> I don't know what it's about. I have to go and do more research on why that is. But there's that story. There's stories and like jokes about how you're not supposed to see your mother-in-law. Mm. If you're going to your mother-in-law's house, you need to make sure you're announced way ahead of time so mm. she can find. Yeah. Hide. Like, yeah. Hi. <laughs> so <laughs> there's cultural stories with it. I don't have all of it to, to share right now, but cool. um, that's one part of it. And then, I enter the Hogan. Oh, my family fills their side. Um, I enter the Hogan, and then it was my uncle Lee, um, who who conducted the ceremony. Basically, we 
we we make a, a mush. I can't remember if the mush was pre-made or we made it. I think it was pre-made. We have like a, a mush that's made out of cornmeal mm -hmm. that is blessed and he has and then we all during all of this we give um we're thinking of our deities um the holy people who are always a part of us are always around us and help and have like lived to like are always there to help us succeed like we get we honor them and then we do blessings for ourselves and like the our like what we want and and then um he uses cornmeal to say the blessing and then he makes a ring of cornmeal across the mush and um there's a couple of different variations there's one where they close their circles so you're always in an ever lasting love mm -hmm. like just like the circle of the cycle and then there's another one where it trails it's trail off so then no matter where you are in your life you're always together even in the afterlife so it's kind of like your souls getting united mm. and being together um spiritually and forever and is a is a, is a medicine man officiating this um yes okay. and that was my uncle lee um, and I forgot this other step where we wash each other's hands too before we partake in feeding each other cake, just to show that we're always going to carry each other and nourish each other. I say cake is that mush yeah, that yeah. we're we're yeah. feeding to each other. <laughs> okay, that's so sweet. Yeah, and and then after all the ceremonies done and everything, then traditionally comes all the lectures from all the elders who. <laughs> are there that are going to tell you how you should behave in a marriage and how mm. to take care of one another and, and what are those advice. advice what is the advice i chose to skip over that part and oh. have everybody oh. <laughs> this is why i love you i'm like that sounds awful <laughs> uh, i personally did not like people telling me what to do and i think if you <laughs> if you know me that well you know like my personality i'm like nah yeah. <laughs> like, we're all set. Thanks. <laughs> Didn't Josh you, have to give livestock? Yes. Um, okay. He had to give livestock. Um, it's a dowry that the groom pays to the wife's family. Mm -hmm. and, what was your dowry? Um, it, a steer. <gasps> yeah. And it's still done in livestock and money. And we. Um, and then my family gifted his family um, basically, like, kind of like gift baskets with like household goods and like flour and all this stuff that's just to show like thank you for letting your son marry our daughter and mm -hmm. for the journey here kind of thing so they they do get gifts in return as well oh that's cool yeah, yeah it seems like it's just like a lot of everyone coming together and being full of gestures it seems which i love i think that's what a marriage should be is like giving each other gestures of acceptance both mm -hmm. sides i love that i love that it's cool yeah and then afterwards um we rented like a big party tent and we just had like a live band there and uh -huh. um everybody just remembers like who, people that were non-native that came out to the wedding 
um we we know a lot of people on both sides like right we have laura from england <laughs> yeah and she you invited me and i was i could i was just poor i was broke so i'm sorry I, it was it's one of my big regrets in life <laughs> yeah. and then um one of my friends from nigeria josh knew a bunch of people from the military so they're from all over the united states and all over the place so like they were really because ex- it happened at sunset so by the time it was all done, it's getting dark. And then it's like dark, like an hour afterwards. And they're just amazed by the how clear you could see the stars. sky and yep. the stars. Wow. Uh, and like, that's like their favorite memory. Like when we talk about our wedding, like people just remember <laughs> that. Like, did you see nature? <laughs> yeah. Yo, did you see the sky without all that light pollution? <laughs> For real, like I, uh, I was having a complex about my art. Cause you know how my art is, it's just like a bunch of stars and silhouettes and stuff. And I was like, I'm such a fucking ass. Like I'm like, this is nothing. This isn't even based in reality. And then I went to Bryce Canyon one day and I was like, oh, just kidding. This is exactly what it what my We're here. like <laughs> all these stars and this the silhouette of everything yeah that's awesome i'm so sad i missed that by the way i'm sorry <laughs> no you're good i'm sure it's something you, you think about many. every day <laughs> <laughs> if only bobby could have Been seen the stars wedding. out here <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah that's thank yeah thank you for sharing that i love that yeah and then i did a contemporary dress like i did a sweetheart white dress with all of my grandma's jewelry like her um squash blossom (sighs) necklace her concha belt her turquoise ring so so good yeah so that was like my mix i i think i'm kind of that modern simplistic with traditional elements like trying to mix them together i have said that statement before that you are my right down the middle of the road old school new school native friend yeah (laughs) cool (laughs) which i really appreciate um are we still doing the wedding because i'm still here for the wedding but if we're not (laughs) i have questions about other things yeah you can ask your questions i think the wedding's done (laughs) okay okay um i one of the first things i saw um that i was I had no idea this existed was um, Navajo coffee recipe. Mm-hmm. Um, so my question is, do you guys still do that? And what are the other things that we have? Like what are other traditional Navajo, I'm sorry, Diné food and drink that maybe white people know about and maybe they don't know about. Do you still do any of those? There's a Navajo coffee recipe. Yes. <laughs> okay, so I will she teach wants to talk you about Navajo tacos. About I want to talk about Navajo tacos. <laughs> no, I know, I know Navajo tacos exist. Oh my but, god, um, have you never had one? No, 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 no I have. Oh, I, I have. Said, oh my god. I, I'm oh saying god. I, I'm not surprised by that. I'm so. I was. Um. So I think this was. Um. It's just toasted flour mixed into coffee. Oh, really? And it makes like hmm. a dessert. So I guess it's not a thing. It's just like this white people thing that are just like, yeah, this exists. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. Like, I'm I'm looking and like, all I'm seeing is like, when I think of Navajo coffee, I think of when you just boil it with the grounds in it and you just uh-huh. pour it out without straining it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's honestly what I thought about too. I'm like, why would you do that? <laughs> Okay, so I guess that doesn't exist. Some real Wild West <laughs> shit right there. 
what is like some indigenous things that we've kind of assimilated into our culture? Like what are they? I mean, do we have stuff that is originated in native? I think a lot of the Southwestern jewelry is indigenous and that gets copied a lot and replicated by people just trying to make money. Mm, um, mm-hmm. I, I see that a lot. There's like that fine line if it's cultural appropriation or appreciation yes um with that i think if it's bought from an indigenous um craftsperson then like that's totally appreciation and you have that story and you you can show um where it came from like that's more appreciation versus i went to scottsdale and i bought (laughs) this at (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, I I have church I have like actual native pieces of turquoise and then non and I will say I cherish my legit pieces like so much more. There's the, the craftsmanship is just so there. And like mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. Yeah, like I'm so I'm so so with you. Like I usually try to go down and buy myself a piece of turquoise down in the desert every for my birthday every year. Um but I haven't been able to with the COVID, so I'm itching. <laughs> yeah. and, and for us, the turquoise stone is a sacred stone. Um, there's a lot of stories about it. I don't have all of it. I'm not versed in it, but like I know it like offers you protection. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really gorgeous stone, and we love turquoise. <laughs> oh, I, I could you imagine just finding that one day, not knowing what it was, and just finding that blue ass turquoise? Mm-hmm. So crazy. yeah. <laughs> so should turquoise should, too? I culture appropriate there. I won't. Lie. Should white people be wearing turquoise? Is it too sacred, or is it cool? Um, I think it's cool. Like if if it's appreciation, yeah. um, then definitely. I for the costume jewelry, I don't like. I don't. Yeah, what do you think about a white dude wearing a headdress on Halloween? Like, do you care? Oh, I I would care. Like, yeah. I'd just be like, look at this douchebag. Because <laughs> like, right, right. uh, like. I'm not a plain Indian and I know the headdress comes from um from my understanding from the Plains Indian yeah. and it's a war bonnet and they have to go through certain It's fucking earned, um, motherfucker. Yeah, they have <laughs> to do and earn and... it out. Yeah. yeah. And so for people just to take this and because it looks cool and hip, it's or it's just their Halloween costume. Mm-hmm. Like we our peoples were forced into boarding schools mm-hmm. to remove our cultural identity. Yeah. How come it's cool for you to just go out yeah. and buy something made in China that yeah. you can just right. throw it on? So that's where I think um, the appropriation is like, it, it, don't do it. Just yeah. <laughs> don't do it. Like, don't dress up as an Indian for Halloween, please. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Well, I wasn't saying that. I was saying, <laughs> should we wear turquoise? No, I know. Oh. Yeah, you should <laughs> wear said, turquoise. Yeah, she said, wear it. She said, don't go down to fucking Scottsdale Road oh. again. Go get it from a native. <laughs> yeah, um. but turquoise is, it's a stone that's used in all jewelry. Because I know it's like found in different parts of the world. So people mm. do wear it. So it's just that Southwestern style that I think gets taken and um, sure. doesn't give back to to the indigenous origin yeah 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 i uh 
I, I love it. I, I don't know. Something about the red rock and the blue turquoise. And I don't know. It's just so, it's so it just represents the sky to me almost like the sky on a clear day. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love turquoise. Oh, have you ever done peyote? You've done it, right? Um, <laughs> yes, I have. What <laughs> drugs have you done? <laughs> no, uh, so you've done. So was it sweat? Was it a sweat lodge or whatever? Um, it was with the ABDN church, um, and I didn't ingest like amounts of it, like just like a taste of it, because uh-huh. um, like capitalism like i still have to have a job and go on your job <laughs> tests and stuff like that uh-huh. like uh-huh. i feel like <laughs> that you're like i'm responsible i got children <laughs> yeah like i had to do that again and um but it is used um a lot more with the abd and church and it is a sacred medicine not something to be abused mm. and it's a way to um basically I don't want to say it's a vessel. What would I, how would I say it? It's, it's a, a way tool. to get. It's like a tool. Yeah, it's a way to get closer with um, this this spiritual world. And is it like related to other like, like shrooms? Is ayahuasca or DMT? Is it related to those types of drugs? They're all psychedelics, right? Yeah, it's a psychedelic. Mm. Um, uh, it just, I haven't seen anyone under the influence who, like, it does something terrible to them. Like, mm. I don't know if that makes sense. Like, I, like if you eat too much of it, you just end up, like, vomiting and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. I have seen that. Um, but for other people, it, like, increases, like, the sound, like, of the drum and um, more awareness. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so I guess that play, would be the spiritual the awareness. Yeah. Okay. So, and, and it's done where they're going through the stories um, and the ceremony and the traditions. So it's not done for recreation. Like I it's see. done right, for praying right. and for meditating and reaching that spiritual, spiritual place. And um, does it annoy you that all these rich <laughs> white people do ayahuasca on the weekends for like $500 a pop? <laughs> Because that's a huge thing in Park City right now. And I'm just like, y'all are basic. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I don't know. Like, I, it's kind of crazy to see how, to me, it feels like so many people are hurting that that's, they're just trying fair. to grasp anything. And, but then it just feels wrong when it's done under the guise of like new age because I feel like right. a new age is just a ripoff of like native indigenous yes, right. spirituality. Traditional. Yep. Right. Yeah. And uh, I've watched this thing on um, E, the Total Divas. I don't know if you guys watched that. Total <laughs> Bellas. Um, one of the Bellas has her husband go out in Sedona and mm-hmm. try and do what I feel like ABDN does. And this guy says he's a tribal member and he's from Mexico and but then I feel like nobody would ever sell out to be on TV and do right, that right mm-hmm. so it just feels I don't know it just makes me feel gross like ugh, like <laughs> dude same I'm so glad you feel that way because I like I'm with you because like it's just it doesn't seem if you actually know the people in the culture it's there's nothing genuine about what's happening so this guy's just a self-proclaimed 
expert on your culture. <laughs> yeah. Like, like a yeah. dick. <laughs> also, there's like so many rich white people just being shamans now. And I feel like they oh, just right. like mm-hmm. go on a really wild ayahuascan trip and then like obtain all of this stuff to sell to their other friends. It's like I, I got proposed by rich people to do a journey. And I'm pretty sure I knew what it was. I was going to be charged $3,000. No. I was like, a pass. Hard pass, Nancy. I'm not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Especially because that's not the spirit of it. Like, it's just right. Oh, yeah, you're right. It's so cringy. So can white people do it as long as they're not being like. A cringe master 3,000. Yeah. Yeah. Is that that okay? (laughs) To do what? Just like. To participate in medicine that way. I, this is like a, you're going to get different responses from everybody you talk to. For me, if you're my friend and you need help and you're reaching out to me, like respectfully and sincerely, like, yeah, uh, and then the approach, right? Yeah. And then, and then of course, like the person that, um, I would turn to is like my stepfather because he, he runs the meetings. Um, he's really big in it. A lot of people are like reach out to him for guidance and um I feel like he's the most versed in that area with Josh like I feel like Josh is like kind of like a mentee like he's getting up to maybe one day take that role um I don't I don't know I think he'd be good at it I think he'd be good at it he's like he's a sweet guy yeah and then like so then I would reach out to my stepfather and then we probably like discuss it and like have conversations about it like what is what's the meaning if it's right or wrong like I've had um boyfriends who weren't tribal members come and sit in on the meetings and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but not take it which he's okay with that so I would be okay doing that but as far as like just being there to have peyote that would probably not fly at all that's cool yeah yeah yeah, I've always I've always thought like if because I, I want to do it sometime in my life, but I want to be invited, <laughs> not mm-hmm. be like, hey, I'm gonna pay this guide, mm-hmm. this da so I can go trip balls in the desert for three days. Like, no, <laughs> I want to have like a spiritual experience, mm-hmm. um, especially because yeah, there is that like a respectful to, experience, a yeah. respectful experience. Yeah, so. yeah, and I think it's like getting to know. Like, I think, um. what the situation I was talking about where it got captured on camera like Mm. the guy like he was really depressed and it was one way he was trying to look at like alleviating his depression Mm. and it's like come on you live in Phoenix and there's like so many different tribes there like you should be like in your community talking to indigenous people and like making those relationships instead of just like going out and paying this guy like I just felt like it was yeah and we're not gonna Indigenous, well, for me, I'm not going to say I'm. You invited people onto your, into your territory for your wedding. Like you're obviously open yeah. to the idea of sharing your culture, but there's obviously mm-hmm. a proper way to go about it. Yeah, there is. So Can today's I... lesson is don't be a dick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fairly good lesson. Yeah. All right, Val, we're hitting the two-hour mark. You got anything else to add? Yeah, tell us everything if you oh, want. This, this was this flowed really well. I didn't think I would have, like, even 30 minutes of stuff to talk about. 
<laughs> you're like here, here we i go. am we got the gift of gab we'll we'll talk to you about anything about everything yeah but i'm pretty curious i'm really grateful that you shared your perspective like uh, there's there's this um hesitation that i've always had because you know Okay, so the reservation kids would get bust in and they would call them the res kids. I mean, I think I don't know if that's offensive or not, but like the, they s- seemed off limits. Like my curiosity was so big for their world and their experience. And I was just I felt like, I don't know. And plus my Mormon background where they invented their backstory. I was just like, okay, whatever. Oh, Thank yeah. You. How, how do you feel about that, Val? So do you, do you, do you know the Mormon what Mormons think of natives, like the whole story. Um, I don't. Can you share it? Kendra, yeah. please do. <laughs> Native, um, according to the Book of Mormon, which they've recently said is just, um, it's a whole big thing, is just like a parable. Uh, it's not real. Um, but they, they claimed that Native tribes came from Jerusalem on a boat and settled here. So they are saying that Native American tribes are directly connected to Jewish ancestry. Uh totally not real. They but um, they weren't counting on they weren't counting on technology Val. When they weren't they ca- this ca- counting on DNA. Counting so then um basically there was the good guys who were white. Yep, that that um silence was on purpose. The good guys <laughs> that were white and then the bad guys they were called so the good guys, white guys, Nephites. The the naughty guys, the guys who would fight against God, were called the Lamanites, and those guys had their skin darkened to reflect that they didn't obey God. And the Lamanites are the principal ancestors of the um, current day Native American tribes. So uh, it's not true, by did the you, way. Did you take any of that in? <laughs> <laughs> But, like, I just say, like, that as, like, a tool to make it okay to oppress people. Yes. Exactly. 100%. Yes. 100%. Yes. And, yes. Yes. And, it, and to absolve any guilt. Yeah. Because they did it for God or help. something. Yeah. 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 Well, because the Mormons and the tribes were fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, there were. was some shit going down. <laughs> and, like some shady shit from the Mormons blaming, you know, what, what tribe did they blame for the massacre? Like the Paiute tribe. Yeah. There's been a lot of just like bullshit. So like, I understand what kind of saying about the res kids being off limits because I felt actually the exact opposite, but my neighborhood was half, uh, Navajo, Ute Paiute kids. Mm -hmm. So I just was around, you know, that they were my, they were my homies, you know? So, (laughs) we'd listen to metallica and play baseball yeah. uh that's what I, I just wanted to say thanks for like being open i mean i'm sure we have white people questions and i'm grateful that you were i mean you you're the the spokesperson for us right now like you're the one telling us how it is so and you're reluctant about it too which i also i know like. no, i know I like we, that. I think we know that your experience is not a universal the net experience but i'm grateful that you were open about it and like answered our questions like thank you oh you're welcome and um thanks for doing the podcast like it's really cool what you guys are doing oh thank um, you and it and i think it's good to question like the mormon stories that you were told and grew up with and i think it did really affect like did it cause you to feel 
to build that bridge that are that wall that you didn't think you could come over to yeah. talk to um, some indigenous kids and <laughs> I like res kids um I I use that term but okay, okay. <laughs> however those those kids would want to be called like um I'm just I'm I'm really trying to just teach treat people the way they want to be treated kind of yeah. like the platinum rule that's coming out like from diversity equity inclusion um yeah and and I wonder if like that kind of that did build that wall that you didn't think you could come over and I know with indigenous peoples it's really hard to like people do ask you a bunch of questions and think you're talking for the whole entire tribe mm-hmm. and right. you're like uh, this is just what I think. Yeah, <laughs> this yeah. is like my experience. <laughs> you became an ambassador today, Valerie. I hope you know that. <laughs> so that can that can be tougher, like um, yeah. people individually to deal with, and it it is hard. I think with the mascot thing, like it does happen a lot. Like people will say, "Well, this person said it's just fine. They yep. feel honored and respected," and then it's like. Yeah, but that's just one person. Like, if right. you probably polled majority of us, a lot of us have a problem with being used as mascots. Yes. Like, you, yeah. you're just trying to self-serve yourself. And I think that's what's wrong nowadays. Everyone's so self-interested. There's, like, a lack of, like, caring for or, or wanting to know what where the other person's coming from. Um, I, think, I think there's so much humiliation right now in the possibility of being wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like if someone's telling you, hey, the way you're acting is incorrect, you there's so much for some reason, our society has so much shame and not doing something correctly that will do anything to be right. Mm-hmm. So it's like, well, th- I know I know someone. So they they're, you know, like and I'm sure we all do it. But, yeah, you're totally right. Like it's all about observing and making sure people feel, you know, OK <laughs> and not being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> I think it comes back down to that. Just don't be a dig. Just don't be a dig. Uh, so are you going to come to AZ for Christmas? Yes, I am. I am so excited to go back. Um, Minnesota, l- lots of trees. It was so beautiful this fall, seeing all the different colors. But I I miss seeing the mountains and the cliffs and the red. And the rain smells different there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's... Yeah, that was, that was one of my different. biggest issues being out of the desert was the rain smells not even nearly as good with the sagebrush hitting it. Oh, hitting the sagebrush. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. So we're going to wrap up. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Is that appropriate? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. That's like the big topic in our house right now is teaching our kids Thanksgiving's a lie. And <laughs> that could be a whole nother. Wait, I mean, do you want to <laughs> give us like a brief, like a brief synopsis of what what like i mean it obviously is a lie but that's why i wanted this to come out before thanksgiving yeah why <laughs> let's yeah let's talk about that why what so as, as an, an indigenous person describe it describe the struggle yeah so there's this myth that the pilgrims and the indians got along fine and everything yep. has been happily ever after since but no like the indigenous peoples have been burned so much since that time like how much land loss we suffered how much um, people have died. Um, yeah, when you said burn twice, you said at the beginning and you're saying right now, and both times in my head, I said literally and figuratively. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the tribes have experienced some bullshit, some violence. 
Yeah. And and then just having land stolen, being forced to rem be removed from their ancestral homelands, um, and and then being stripped of who they are, their identity, their ability to pass down um, their teachings and their way of life to the future generations. Basically, they decided it cost too much to fight Indians. So you know what? We're going to take their kids while they're impressionable and we're mm -hmm. going to make them assimilate. Mm -hmm. um, so that has, that's recent and it's still ongoing. And now we're in a self-determination era where um, they want us to be self-sufficient and everything. But at the same time, we're still doing with all these broken promises. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, it's not it's not a happily ever after. It's been a nightmare for indigenous people. So just participating in it and just perpetuating that myth, I think is a, a lot of people are doing it. Like Josh and I grew up where we we participated in a Thanksgiving. Like but like we didn't know any better but like now we have that education and now we're telling like our children like hey this is what the real deal is you know we don't we're not, we're not celebrating thanksgiving we're but then at that time there's like different fractions that are happening there's people who are saying just don't do it and then there's people who are like we have the holiday off i like getting together with my family and all of us getting together and doing our own thing and we're kind of more in that camp mm -hmm. um yeah like it doesn't need to be a, a, his, a history lesson it can be a, a message of hope for the future maybe you yeah. know what i mean like maybe we all get together and not be dicks <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've taken family completely out of things yeah yeah friends yeah. friendsgiving is the thing <laughs> uh but i agree it's it's really hard to celebrate any of it because you have peeled back the lens and uh you see it for what it really is yeah and and it can go deeper too we can look at like right now access to food um mm, right you can say like i don't feel like feasting when other people are hungry like mm, mm. that's another way it just feels like a big commercial push and just, yep. i'm i'm just Let's kick off to Black Friday. <laughs> that I mean, God, I love your perspective. Seriously, that's because uh, I do. I I love the dinner of Thanksgiving, but the whole the holidays bullshit. But I do love yeah. the food. I love <laughs> I love me some Thanksgiving dinner. But you're right. Like it's just ugh. It's it's a struggle, and you also don't want to raise your kids to be bitter either, you know. Mm -hmm. So you got. I'm sure you're walking this fucking tightrope walk. There. Yeah, like, yeah, I I think so, and it, it it's a constant struggle, and it's growing, um, and and I think you just have to be open to growth, you know, like yeah. It, now you just know more about the holiday and you can bring that lens in when you do if you do celebrate it like yeah think yeah. maybe yeah. come up with new rules for thanksgiving maybe <laughs> maybe we don't maybe we don't talk about it anymore maybe we talk about this fake scenario all right well i gotta pee like a mofo um 
<laughs> I know. We just keep getting back into I know, it. Like so I know. Seriously, I feel like we could do this for like two more hours. But um, so how we end things is I say, we say these things and Kendra says in the name of Jesus Christ. And we all say amen. If you're comfortable with doing that, you can do that. And here we go. Anyways, Val, thanks for having us. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Uh, we'll probably want to have you back on. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> Inappropriate. Okay. <laughs> well, we say these things. In the name of Jesus Christ. <laughs> All of us together. Amen. Is This The Place podcast is written, recorded, and edited at Titan Tower Studios. Our theme song is by Bobby, and our cover art is by Jessica Sanchez. This is our story, as we see it. We believe it to be true as far as it is translated correctly. If you liked the show, please rate, review, and subscribe. We have dedicated a lot of our time and talents, and we really appreciate your support. Maybe this isn't the place, but you are definitely the people making this possible. Thank you.